Hello, welcome to Teaching Through the Pandemic, a podcast mini-series from the NCETM. I'm Gwen Trasider, Communications Manager at NCETM, and in this series we're looking at how teachers are managing teaching under the restrictions imposed by coronavirus. Today I'm talking to James Cresswell, who teaches at a large secondary school in a fairly affluent part of Suffolk. This term, Key Stage 3 classes at James's school have included students of all attainment levels. It's not something his school normally does, usually classes are setted for maths, but they decided not to set this term in order to reduce numbers of contacts and limit the spread of coronavirus. Now, I've had a little delve into the stats at TeacherTap and they are saying that of their respondents, 22% of teachers are teaching year eight groups in mixed attainment groups this term, compared to 9% normally. So James, like many teachers this term, has had a mixed attainment baptism by fire and we wanted to find out what he's learned and how he's coped. Welcome, James. Hi. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling me how your school normally organises teaching groups in maths? Um, yeah, so in maths we have three bands. So it's a large school, so about uh, 300 people per year group. And the sort of because the, the way the timetable works, we'll have two of the bands on at the same time. So it works out there's three bands. So there'd normally be about three top sets, um, three bottomish sets. Um, tend to be one particularly weaker support group, um, and then the rest are fairly mixed. So some people might call it streamed or setted. I don't know the correct terminology, but it's sort of in those sorts of areas. So tell me what's happened this term then. Are they taught in form groups now in Key Stage 3? Yes, so um, they're in their classroom, their form classroom for every single lesson of every day except PE, they go outside and I think. Which year groups are you teaching in Key Stage 3 then? Um, just year 8 and year 9, so I've got one full year 8 class, one full year 9 class and then I teach one out of four lessons to a year 8 class which happens to be my form group so I see them once every two weeks. Okay and which of those classes would you say that you feel like you've had the most success with in terms of moving to mixed attainment teaching? It's difficult I really do enjoy teaching my form group um, I think partly because they've got the sort of narrowest range and abilities. Um, my year eight group that I teach normally um, just by looking at their SAT scores uh, and we do some star testing with them they are considerably the weakest year eight group so I found those difficult because the range is that bit wider um, and then the year nine group I've enjoyed at different points depending on the topic. Um, Which topics would you say have been hardest to teach? Um, well think about year eight and year nine but um, the, the topics I find the, the hardest topics to teach are the ones with the that students have a, the biggest um, variety in prerequisites so things like fractions they'll come some of them will come to year seven even um, being able to sort of do all the calculations with fractions for mixed fractions um, whereas some students don't really know what a fraction is and don't know how to trade in a fraction so the range in abilities even at year eight and year nine is absolutely enormous and, and you get some students who know their time sales really quickly and other students who you say two times three and they look at you as if you're speaking a different language so it is it is, it is amazing and quite incredible the difference in range and abilities but I think some topics which would be easier might be topics which are new to the class so things like um, maybe learning about the laws of indices or um, at the moment we're doing about sort of shape and the properties of quadrilaterals and some students do have an understanding of that before but it's sort of a lot of maybe it's a bit more like there are other subjects it's a bit more to learn and, and less about maybe calculations or using their math skills from before. 
And have you had any surprises? Are there any students that have really surprised you in in that sort of grouping? Um, I think I think some students have, and some students have taken it on board. I'm thinking of um, in my form group. There's a, a girl who's probably the weakest in the group, but she's um, really diligent and really sort of one of the sort of hardest working students in in the group um i think she's benefited from being in a mixed attainment class because and and that was one of the things i was looking forward to when i sort of started reading and listening to things about mixed attainment before i started um the benefit of maybe the the weaker students who maybe be put in a bottom set or in, in a lower set lower set group um the benefits of them being in a higher set and being a or, sorry in a mixed attainment group and being able to access the harder work i think that can be really beneficial for for those students and I think she in particular has um, really benefited from that and I think there are some students who have benefited from it more and th there's also been some students who have taken the lazy approach I know there's one student who's maybe a bit more challenging behavior behaviorally if I can say that word um, <laughs> over the last um, sort of couple of terms um, and over the cu last couple of years really but the, the decision was made just before lockdown really um, back in March this is to put him into a top set because he is good at maths and he actually works best when he's challenged um, and so sometimes depending on the topic depending on how I'm doing if I'm not quite challenging him he can take the lazy option and just sort of switch off and say oh I don't care about this and so that is a sort of a surprise maybe in, in the wrong sense and something I need as a teacher to be aware of a bit more. What I'm interested in now really is is how your lessons have changed what does a mixed attainment lesson look like compared to the way you might have taught a set? Yeah um, I was thinking about I was thinking um, about that and what, what I'd do differently and if we're going to go back to sets how would I change and I think that in some ways I haven't made too many changes. I went before I started mixed attainment teaching I was sort of trying to read a bit of everything and try and listen to different things about sort of the best way to do it and best way to differentiate and I listened to Craig Barton and Helen Hindle's podcast oh, yeah. on mixed attainment and that was a really good podcast and the conclusion that Craig seemed to come to I hope I don't misquote him was <laughs> that um, he wouldn't sort of teach that differently he would sort of use what he's got and use the the sort of the Pre teaching the prerequisites before you teach them, checking before you teach something, um, checking that they know the prerequisites and the key sort of um, elements that they, they need to be successful in the lesson. And you sort of build up a topic and you'd still have those elements of challenge and you'd choose the sequence of questions really carefully so that there is challenge throughout. Um, and I've sort of tried to do that this year. And I, I would say I still do the same thing with the top set or in a, a bottom set or wherever, because even in those sets, you've still got a wide range of attainment. You think of a top set it might still be a low starting point for some students, but some students uh, get things so quickly and you have to be on your toes as a teacher to make sure they are challenged and they're thinking hard about maths. So I wouldn't say that I've changed too much in how I'd approach it. There is some exceptions though. So I remember this year with year nine, we had to teach them sequences. And one of the topics on the list was quadratic sequences. Mm. And so if we think about the group I've got, there's probably about half or maybe just under half of the group that would probably, we don't want to make judgments now, but would probably go on to, to study foundation. Now quadratic sequences isn't on the foundation syllabus. And based on how the students are doing, it's probably not the right time to teach those students quadratic sequences. So I made the decision, I'm not 100% sure whether it was the right decision or not, I made the decision during one lesson to sort of split the class in two. I said, um, 
I sort of almost gave them a choice, but I tried to guide their choice by saying, if you've got this grade on the last assessment, if you've if you've done sort of okay, if you're thinking about doing higher ten, you've got this mark on the, or you've got this grade on the last report, then I really want you to listen to this. It's a it's a important topic, it's an exciting topic, but I don't feel like I can just let you read from a book how to do it. I I need to help you with this. So I sort of said to to that half of the group, you need to be listening to me. And I said to the other group in our booklet that was pre-printed, there are some questions we haven't finished yet. I'd like you to to work on what we've been doing with patterns and linear sequences and generating terms and finding the nth term. I want you to keep practicing those. I'll come and help you in 15 minutes or so, but one, or 10 minutes or so. What I'm going to do for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to go through examples of finding the nth term of a quadratic sequence. And I sort of went into that and I introduced it and I sort of did it in the way that I do it. And and that actually worked a lot better than I was hoping for. Yeah. Um, the class were working, that they, they sort of understood that they either watched me in silence or they worked through the booklet in silence. And I was able to teach the students in that way. And that actually worked really well. And that would be something I would consider doing again but I guess in a, in a setted group you wouldn't need to as much. So do you think there was any benefit for the the um, students that were doing linear sequences to actually having that going on in the classroom like if they'd been in a set they would they would perhaps not have seen that in year nine just seeing the whole a bigger picture of maths do you think there was any benefit there? P- probably not if I'm honest I think that when you think about cognitive overload and you think about things going on and and you're trying to get students to to concentrate on one thing whilst another background noise is going on in the background I don't particularly like that and that's why I haven't done it that often with the with the group and I've tried to get them all engaged on the same topic and something where they can all access it at different points but I think with the cognitive cognitive overload and if they're trying to concentrate on one thing something else is happening at the same time it's probably not in their best interest. Right did it feel like you were juggling so many more balls did it feel more exhausting than a than as I say a normal lesson but what I mean is normal for you that particular lesson yeah yeah um I think in some ways because the students reacted so well and they were so thinking so much it wasn't too bad I think that generally mixed attainment lessons do feel like you're juggling more balls and you're thinking about two things I was reading pe- what people are saying on Twitter about how they're um how they're answering one question at this level of difficulty, another question, this level, another level of this level of difficulty. And I just I think that's like you almost get maths anxiety as a teacher thinking about that. <laughs> um, and, and that is the case in some lessons that you are answering so many different questions on different levels. And you do have to be on it and really know your questions. And that does take more prep time. And so it has been a more exhausting term. But I think in that particular lesson, when they were doing one thing and I was doing one thing, it was OK. It wasn't too bad. I had the answers ready. I knew what was going on. Um, yeah, there, there might be ways I might have done it slightly differently. I might have insisted on a few more people listening, but I think in general it, it was okay. Is there anything that you think that you wish you'd known at the beginning of term that you, or that you'd do differently if you were starting with a mixed attainment group new next term? Um, I think I would definitely, so we've sort of run booklets which were centrally planned and sometimes they've been good, but sometimes they haven't been good. They've sort of had the bronze, silver, gold questions. They've had extension stuff in the booklet. And generally from the groups I've had, and I'm not saying it didn't work for all groups, the extension stuff hasn't really been accessible. So you might have at the end of the booklet some extension topics for students to go through when they finished. And that might be on a different topic or on the same topic and there's been an example at the top. And generally I've found that the vast majority of students, maybe the odd exception of one or two, have needed help on those extension topics. And that's not really what you want on an extension topic. You don't want to be doing that while you're helping students get to this point. So I think I would still go back to the sort of Craig Barton style variation theory questions where you carefully think through the sequence of questions and you 
sort of accelerate the difficulty towards the end and it's sort of like a an exponential curve sort of a very shallow gradient and then it gets quite a steep gradient towards the end of difficulty and you really get students thinking so you add in those um, sort of high value concept of decimals and algebra and fractions into in laws of indices for example and you make it even more difficult and you get them to think and I've had some great success doing that with the lessons that I have taught and I've always sort of regretted it when I've used someone else's resources <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely use more of my own resources if I was going to do it again I think. So you've mentioned your head of department but I'm wondering where else you've got support because you've also talked a little bit about doing some reading over the summer and and um, and Twitter where else have you where else have you got ideas from? Yeah, so I generally sort of tend to go to the same sort of websites to, to sort of resource my lessons. I did try to listen to, um, as I said, Helen Hindle's podcast with Craig Barton um, that she did, I think, in 2019, which wasn't linked to COVID. I tried to link to a few of the other things she put online before on a mixed attainment math website. I did dip into that, but I sort of made the, the decision that I'm not an expert in teaching mixed attainment. Most people seem to recommend that you carefully think about it as a department before you go into it, which is obviously not the scenario we had. But I sort of decided that I would try and stick to what I think I'm best at uh, and what I've been working on over the last couple of years, which is sort of the, the Craig Barton style resources. So I tend to, as a first book, call, go to variation theory to find sequences of questions and I adapt them as I need to. And I've started to create my own at times. Um, I'll also go to places like Resourceaholic, which is obviously a fantastic website with lots of topics on there. Um, and there's there's other websites. There's things like Maths for Everyone, which have decent sequences of questions. Um, and those those websites are really good um, and help me to sort of think of ideas. But generally, I'll try and adapt them or think about them if I can before I before I do deliver them. Mm. And, um, and and what I haven't told our listeners is that uh, that I found James because he participated in one of our uh, Math CPD Twitter chats on a Tuesday night, and um, which was particularly about teaching mixed attainment. D did you find that conversation useful, James? Yeah, I did. I think it's it's always useful on Twitter to discuss with teachers from other schools and think about how they're finding it. And I've learned new ways, and I've was lucky enough to go to a maths conference earlier this year with teachers, sort of I knew from Twitter and they've been able to share ideas which I've been able to put into the classroom straight away um, but I think it's good whenever I can it's sort of on a Tuesday evening at seven o'clock I do try and log on to Twitter it's not always possible but I do try and log on and it's great to have a discussion with the, te the teachers on there and you get some ideas and websites and resources that you could use and um, yeah and it, it's, it makes you feel better you, you feel like you're not the only one who's finding it hard or <laughs> not the only one who, who um, is struggling with this aspect or this behavior strategy or, or whatever we're discussing on that day so I do find it really useful to discuss things with other teachers from different schools. Yeah yeah um, and how, how have your students and parents responded have they been positive about it or have, has there been moaning from either <laughs> either of those groups? So I think there has been quite a few parents who have sort of said my, my student isn't being challenged enough. I haven't heard much of that because I think our head of department's done a fantastic job of sort of filtering out all those parents and, and replying in the best way we can. And um, I think from students, generally the students I've had, they felt like they've been challenged, but I feel like some, in some classes there might be some more issues that maybe with a bigger range of abilities, some students feel like they're not getting enough support at the bottom end or, or not being extended at the top end. Um, and so that ha has been a bit of an issue, particularly maybe with year nine and year eight who have been used to the set of classes and then have gone back to mixed attainment. And I think in general that the department I'm in, most teachers have found it difficult. They've not particularly enjoyed it and, and would welcome the chance to go back to sets when 
whenever that could be. Do you, do you see any advantages for mixed attainment? Um, any advantages? I, I, I do see the sort of arguments that I sort of read and believed in when I when we were sort of found out about it and I was trying to get myself psyched up to do it about um, maybe those students who might be put in a bottom set and that whole mindset of I'm bottom set I can't do maths that negativity I think that that does get um, that is helped by being in a mixed attainment group um, having said that I've still had some students who look at the board and see a, an x or a y any sort of algebra and think I'm not confident with this topic so and he's, he's always said that to me re repeatedly through some lessons um, but at the, at the same time I think yeah I think there could be some advantages and I think that teachers and, and schools who do mixed attainment I don't want to knock anything from those schools <laughs> at all because I think they they probably do do a fantastic job and I think there could be some successes and, and, and ways of doing it really well through mixed attainment um, but yeah in our school in our context just for teacher workload um, and for what we're used to and how we deliver things I think that going back to sets will be really good for us right right so so if when and if you go back to teaching in sets is there anything that you'll take from what you've learned in mixed attainment classes that you might use in those sets do you think um i think in some ways not particularly because i think that as i as i said i've sort of tried to teach in a similar way and use my strengths and just make sure i'm aware of the sort of starting points of each student and I think I'd still do that in setted groups like even with my year 11 group which is technically a setted group there's still some students who are particularly weak and and one girl who's moved into my class this year who hasn't got the same background knowledge or the same knowledge of prerequisites as the other students in the group so I need to be aware of that and I need to make sure I'm doing everything I can to make sure we practice the sort of the skills that make up the skill we're learning today before we then do it so that every student has the opportunity to be successful so I think it's just being aware and I think I feel like I I was aware before um it maybe has helped me be even more even more aware um but I think good teaching is good teaching and you differentiate well whether you've got a mixed attainment group or not I think that you can even fine-tune your differentiation and your sort of awareness of student starting points even more so in a top set or a bottom set or middle set it's just building students confidence and I think that's the most important thing yeah thank you for talking to us James it's uh, I think I think what you've said will be will, will resonate with lots of teachers who've uh, who've been having to try this this term um, and uh, well I suspect they've probably had a, there's probably been a, a mixed response in terms of whether whether they want to stick with it or or, or go back to sets like you do. Um, but thank you so much for talking to us. It's been really interesting. A huge amount of credit is due to the teaching profession this term, I think, very much on the front line. And if not in healthcare, then in holding some sense of normality together for children and their families. So thank you to all of you. So if those of you listening have got ideas to share about how you're making maths lessons work at this difficult time, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch on info at ncutm.org.uk or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. Otherwise, we wish you a very restful break when it finally comes and please do tune in in the new year. Goodbye.